0: Out here, back again, Reading and Rich, HHMC. Today, Josh and I chalk it up for about the first 10 minutes. We talk about some of our favorite pieces of fitness equipment and the best movements that we prefer in our training. Uh, but then we dive into some topics. Our listener question of the week comes from Tristan Alvarado, and he asks about protein timing and when you should eat, if you should eat protein post-run. So we talk about some general recommendations and then our recommendations for protein intake and why the needs of the endurance athlete are unique to the general public and to other athletes. Then we talk about the best way to recover and the most important thing you can do as an athlete, and that's sleep. We talk about some of the best practices, and then we get into the nuts and bolts of of sleep itself and basically how you can improve yours all right i hope you enjoy ATHMC. josh my friend hello hello mr rich josh what's your favorite piece of equipment since you've been what you're calling like on vacation but since like you've been inside what's been like your your or just like alone not at the gym what's been your favorite piece of equipment
1: I'm all alone. I'm so lost without you. Kettlebells, I got a kettlebell. kettlebell? of them, yeah, for the best. I saw you swinging that thing the other day. How many? How many kettlebells do you have? We get okay, swinging. I have five. I have. uh I'm going to talk in pounds, not kilograms. I got a seventy pounder as a sixty-two, or sorry, sixty-three, and then a fifty-two. It's like fifty-two point something, yeah, because uh, yeah. yeah, it's a kilogram conversion. And then I got. Uh, twenty-five pounder that I have to give back to somebody that <laughs> went that to me a while ago, but they totally forgot about it, and so did I. But uh, I bet they're asking
0: a, now. It's like, damn, where's my yeah, right,
1: right kettlebell? It's like Josh has it, disinfect it, leave it on the porch. Um, yeah. And then I got the uh, the twenty pounder, which is my favorite, uh, just because it's uh like one of the last kettlebells Tough Mudder gave out on the podium before they like stopped doing that. Is it orange? It has the orange one that's clearly over like the 20 pound indentation (laughs) yeah
0: (laughs) it says yeah it says like 210 to somehow in there uh so that's i like i only have a 53 um and it's good for swings it's almost a little too light for for swings um to like maximum power swings. So I wish I did have a 20 and a 25 or like a 35. That'd be sweet. But I only have a 53 and it's like a little bit too light for explosive things and a little bit too heavy for like strict things. Like if I was going to do like a, like um, I don't know, like a glute elevated single arm bench press or something, it's a little bit too hard to control to bring down. So I think I would like ruin my floor and like, I can do strict overhead press with it, um, very nice, but it's pushing it. It's, it's it's like a weird weight. it's like a good weight to have but it's also like a little
1: bit too light and a little bit too heavy so i gotta i gotta be creative with it i hear you i want to get a 36 pounder which is like the standard think that's i think that's the rx weight for like women in crossfit yeah but it's uh but it's also yeah it's one of those it's good for like strict like high rep movements or just strict stuff in general like time in hand keeping it in your hand mm-hmm. uh and yeah i guess it just kind of fills the gap with what i got i want to get one of the big boys though i want to get like a 100 pounder plus do some heavy ass swings that'd be that sweet. great for sumo deadlifts man i love doing sumo deadlifts with it because like you can lift a lot more than it but it's with the positioning and able to get it like really under your center mass you can really focus on glute engagement which you know that's the hot thing right now let's get those glutes engaged gotta work on those butts and
0: if it's heavy like that you could do carries like single arm carries or even like if you have two so you could actually do you know uh, an offset like one in the front rack one down low and uh, doing carries that way or one overhead one in the front rack one overhead one down low
1: dude you're, you're hooked up with multiple kettlebells that's the way to. that's the way to be dude i actually i'm a huge fan of the offset too like uh i'll have the for farmer's carries like 70 in one hand the 63 in the other you i don't even really notice the difference the only thing i really notice is the uh the thickness of the handle is slightly mm-hmm. different yeah but uh but yeah, I like walk out 100 meters, walk back, like set him down, turn around, and then that just switches hands. How about just Offset the, the Rapper? Offset the Rapper? Was that, that like not. Ch- Chance's brother?
0: No, it wasn't Offset, but I said the Rapper because I wasn't sure if you were going to know what I was talking about. And it seems as though you're not. So we're going to move on.
1: Dude, shouts to. I've been um, wanting to drop a beat over that intro music you got. It's oh, you want to hit, you want to hit, get some I'm gonna bars? Dro- I'm going to drop it one day.
0: You should hit some bars, bro. Um, <laughs> So yeah, with this, so I have a kettlebell as well. I have a sandbag that's probably like 50 or 60 pounds as well. And the same deal with the sandbag. It's like a little bit too heavy to do some stuff. It's really not that heavy to do others. I should just start doing carry stuff. But I did get some um, grips from Force 5. Shouts to Force 5, man. They're, they had some deal going. I don't know if they're still having it. I was. I said to myself I was going to do research and see if they're still having this sale. Um, it was like oh, 19% yeah, off for, 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 for COVID-19. Yeah, man. And so I got like a fat handle. I have a, uh, like a skinny nunchuck and I got a fat nunchuck and I could just kind of run out and I know where there's like a, a set of monkey bars that's kind of secluded. So I'm going to go out and use those. But there, Force 5 is a company that makes like Gibbon and all that. And they do a lot. Yeah. At, uh, yeah.
1: They, uh, they had a lot of presence at, uh, Noram. Right. Yeah. What'd you think about their, their stuff? Like, did you notice much or what? I love this cause it was different. I mean. It. Uh, I only did the course once. I only did like the the long course, but the like the density of grip intensive obstacles was unlike any other obstacle course race I'd ever been in. Uh, I don't know how many of them were actually from Force Five, but I think Force Five had some of the more creative ones, like Gibbon. Mm-hmm. That that was like a love hate thing. You know, a bunch of people kind of messed up on it. Uh, but yeah, it was an awesome challenge. It was like you needed the focus and you needed incredible strength. To accomplish did you get through
0: it? I knew I saw like even like some of the top pros were doing chicken wing stuff. You, did you chicken <clears throat> wing or did you go normal? I chicken wings. <clears throat> I'm going chicken Oh damn.
1: I played a safe man. I was so pumped coming through because it was like there were like five uh grip obstacles right before it, man. And I was just tanked. It wasn't my day. But I think that even if it was my day, I probably still would have chicken wing just because uh yeah, I I figured hell I'd rather get through it once a little bit slower than take the risk
0: because like you can't could you even really bend go like 90 with something like Gibbon? not really right it's it should almost be full extension and kind of s- like tarzan swinging as opposed mm. to being bent at 90 for something like that could you even muscle it that way
1: oh man i mean i uh at that point i was too fatigued to hold 90 and that's the only reason that uh that huh. i did do the chicken wing because like if you're straight arm you have to rely on the swing whereas if you're 90 you're like the hypotenuse of your shoulder up to the hand, you know, the angle, you have a better reach. If you can hold one arm at 90 and reach out with the other, but like straight arm, you can't just like reach, you know, it has to be
0: swing and you have to be, and you to have to swing. be comfortable with your hand strength at that point too. For me, that's the thing with the swing. Like, I, like I'll, my hands will s- slip if, if I'm just not, if it's late in the race or from just not feeling strong or confident enough. That's why I bent is his way to go. So that's what I would worry about Gibbon. So going, going, um, chicken wing, I, I, I much slower but got to get that thing done
1: well also those pegs they slipped right they weren't since they were, they were like movable they rotated with your hand, so you couldn't just rely on friction you had like of the palm you had to rely on actual grip strength so and like if you and if you did like
0: reverse grip or mixed grip like you'd be like swinging funny you'd kind of have to come off and like tur- turn with your shoulder and like kind of come underneath yeah. so you just have to go hand over hand and just be confident and, and strong so
1: thanks four or yeah. five for 45 uh, for the challenge that was a good challenge
0: And dude, like I had, uh, I like reached out, had some sort of like customer service question and they were on top of it. It was like Sunday, this dude reached out as soon as he got the email, hit me right back and we had a a really nice correspondence back and forth. So customer service on point, the quality of the products are like really, really nice. Like they came in a box, like the the grip finish is super nice. I got like, I've ordered some stuff for OCR before and it just kind of comes in like, an envelope. Like they're just like kind of startups, right? And they're just like, let's get this product out here. But this is like professional quality shit.
1: It's really nice. So out so to I Force always, Five. holla! Yeah. I always laugh about that. Like you order something off Amazon, maybe it's really cheap. And then it comes in this crazy packaging and you think this five dollar pair of sunglasses is coming in twenty dollar like the packaging looks like it belongs for a $200 pair of sunglasses.
0: you know. I appreciate that. That's like, you know, like gooder shades <laughs> or like knock around. Same kind of deal. It's like it comes and it's like cool, cool, cool presentation. You can tell they thought all about it. It
1: matters. Presentation matters. It does. Um, Unless you're European and like, you know, with like food, they just mash all their food together. They like look at a plate like, oh, that's pretty. And they just fuck it up. Just like smash everything together. Is that true? You know what I'm talking about? I'm pretty no. sure that's true. Pretty sure that's true. I heard that from somebody. I heard that from probably a reliable source. It sounds though <laughs> that
0: I will trust this and I will spread this information as you have to me. So, and all the listeners now will say the same thing. It's like, oh, you're European. You mash your food together then, huh? <laughs>
1: yeah. uh, you know that. Yo, well, actually you asked me a question and I was thinking about this question for you, bro. You have, you have three pieces of equipment or you have three moves that you can do for the rest of your life for fitness. What are they? Mm.
0: Uh, like with any type of equipment,
1: yeah, like yeah, I, or I any, any any equipment. move, whether it's equipment or you know it could be like a calisthenic move, but you can yeah. take three
0: movements. Mm. I would definitely go pull up, probably deadlift, probably lunge. Maybe Obviously, I'll do like yeah, a, the
1: anticipation's killing me. Like, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> Like a back lunge. Maybe maybe a heavy sandbag zercher.
1: Carry back, back lunge, something like that. My man, I dig it. I dig it. I thought about this. I'm on like the same lines. deadlifts Yeah, we thinking m- muscle ups and jump mm.
0: rope. Jump rope. So wait, does running not count? Running ah, uh,
1: running does not count for this.
0: So I can still run and do lunges. For yes, yes, I'll okay. say that. Jump rope. Interesting. Our, our world is complete. Yeah, muscle ups is going They're so fun. Like when you're when you're knocking those out and feeling good, muscle ups is a really good one.
1: Super satisfying. Can you, are you better doing them on a bar or on rings? So the first
0: time I ever got a muscle up, so I, I my background is CrossFit, right? So I've done, I would do kipping, right? And I I just started getting strict maybe like two years ago. So the first time I got a kipping pull muscle up was on the rings. I had some sort of barrier like literal barrier with the the bar being above me i had a tough time figuring out like how to go through it where the rings you know you there is nothing above your head so you can just kind of and you can catch it kind of lower like you can catch a ring muscle real funny like really high up on your shoulders and just kind of like get through it um but now i'm better on i'm like to when you leverage a bar and like it just when it's static you can just really crank on it and get over it so i can probably do more bar
1: muscle ups now how about yourself Ditto. I want to get the rings. I can I can do rings if I'm fresh. I can do it strict cuz like strict on a on rings is you're moving so slow and you just kind of like muscle literally muscle yourself like no momentum up through whereas like strict on a bar just means like no kip. Am I right? Right. Do you have the same yeah. So yeah. I, I like and the like bar. The, the hand position is a little bit different. Um right, right cuz with the rings you have the rotation. Right. You can get the rotation. And I think that my shoulder I'm still working on my shoulders because i've had like shoulder injuries in the past from bmx and and other shit a motorcycle crash so i'm still working on my shoulders so the bar is a little friendlier but mm-hmm. working towards the rings and doing shoulder rehab yo you had jesse bruce on the other day man you were yeah. doing his shoulder workout
0: yeah dude he was great and you know he had a really a couple of really good points about like cause I'm back. he is the man he's just like whatever's hard i'm doing it i'm gonna do it as hard as I possibly can. Like there's just no no break on him for sure, and, and he's very passionate about. I would love to take one of his classes because I bet he's a madman. I bet <laughs> like if he's leading a course like a class that you're taking is probably you probably gets really fired up. <clears throat> um, so today we have a couple topics we want to touch on. Um, some a listener question, and then we're gonna talk dive into somewhat of the similar thing that we talked about. Last week, which was stress management, but this one more specifically about some sleep and what we can do to help improve our sleep and recovery. But first, our listener question is from Tristan Alvarado. at Bolo the Dolo on IG. I like that. Do you?
1: Yeah. Are you? Uh, do you like hip hop at all? Do you like Kid Cudi? I've heard of Kid Cudi. I know that he has this one really popular song. That's pretty old. Super old.
0: Like Man yeah. on the Moon. All. all never mind um, I need to come if I'm coming with hip-hop references I need to give I now need to give background first and then
1: apply it to you yeah it's not gonna work on me like Disney Disney quotes or movie quotes rather with your girlfriend <laughs> correct yeah 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 thats same thing I'll,
0: I'm gonna start saying hip-hop references and passing them off as my own so Tristan's question is is it necessary to get protein or some sort of meal in post-run. So this is kind of along the lines of a meal timing question, which we covered a couple topics ago, but this is more in line with protein. And we spoke on carbohydrate timing, uh, previous episodes, and this is more specifically toward the macronutrient of protein. And so when it comes to protein timing, there is a lot of studies and the recommendations really do vary widely. And with that, we're going to give our own type of anecdotal evidence and things that we recommend for the athletes that we coach and we kind of do in our own practice what we've seen, what we've heard. Because if you're going strictly on studies, it's really hard to come to any clear conclusion. So with that, what do you typically recommend as far as protein timing?
1: As far as protein timing goes, I think that the most important time to take in protein is, and this is just isolated timing okay we're not talking about quantity throughout the day yet um the time is definitely right around exercise Mm. there is there are good there's good evidence showing that protein helps during exercise depending also on the uh, how strenuous it is the duration of it but post-exercise that is when you are in the the most what they call like the primed state your body's Mm. a little bit hungry for it and you need to repair and there, Like you said, there are different studies, but as far as what I recommend, it's definitely within two hours to eat protein. And I'll recommend upwards of, of 50, 60 grams of protein because if you, if you take in a protein isolate, say just whey protein, that's great. That's going to help with, uh, with reparations, but it's not going to be as useful as if you take that in with other macronutrients, uh, especially carbohydrates. But taking in fat or having a more complete meal, After that workout, it's going to slow down the digestion, absorption, the synthesis of that protein. And so you can take a little bit more than, say, maybe just 20 grams and know that that's going to be absorbed over time. Because I saw a study said uh, whey protein absorbs at approximately the rate of around 10 grams per hour. Whereas, uh, in like an egg protein, a more complete protein, the absorption rate is as slow as three to five grams per hour. And if you think about that, that's really, really slow. So if you eat a lot of protein, uh, even before a workout, it's still going to be in your system and not fully digested, like when you get into the workout. So it's still going to be in your system and still be able to be utilized during and post workout.
0: For sure, and that's something that it might not be as applicable to an endurance athlete to take protein intra-workout. Just because, I mean, you could take it in a shake. I guess I've never really tried that. But if you're in the gym, it's kind of a good idea to kind of take your post-workout recovery, like in the middle of sets, almost. Like if you're just doing straight strength, um, or in CrossFit or something, if you did your strength and you're about to prepare for your your metcon,
1: then yeah, if you don't have a protein shaker in the gym next to you. You're not for real.
0: You ain't for real, bro. Protein shaker on on, on your left gallon jug of water on your right. Definitely gallon um, jug.
1: And it's like a weird color, pink or something.
0: There's definitely some, some sort of uh supplement that you don't need in it that ch- changes the color. So yeah, the, the, those are good points. Right. And like the, the overall like timing of the protein, it, it might not be as important as you previously may have heard. Like you mentioned, like it's in your system. It takes a long time to go through and for the most part, it's going to get absorbed and it's going to get processed. Like your body isn't like when you eat something, it gets digested. And, and this is something that we often hear is 20 to 30, 20 to 40 grams post-workout is ideal. Um, and what things are kind of emerging is that, that that anabolic window isn't necessarily um, as important as we previously thought. And as we talked about with the carbohydrates, it's rather the speed of which you will get those nutrients. So if you're going to train later in the day, then maybe that, that would be helpful, but the actual timing of the protein might not matter as much because you will need to, your body is going to absorb it. And like you mentioned, what what were those numbers that you mentioned about like how the grams per hour?
1: Uh, A whey protein isolate. It gets uh, absorbed at yeah. approximately 10 grams per hour and a more complete protein, which you know, like an egg, which is coming along with fats that's getting absorbed at a rate of approximately three to five grams per hour.
0: Mm. And so, yeah, it's a slow process. So I think it's important to take in protein, uh, throughout the day, sporadically throughout the day so that you are able to hit your total numbers as opposed to, to it being like very specific. Like if I miss this, Half hour window. If I miss this two hour window, if I miss a four hour window, I think it's more about getting it in frequently enough so that you can can hit your your total numbers when it comes to your 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 protein. Um, what kind of do you like to take after, or do you do you do a shake, or do you
1: do just whole food? Uh, I'm primarily whole food. Uh, I haven't touched a actual protein supplement in a very long time, nice. uh, a couple of years. However, and I mean it's just because I eat a lot of steak. I do eat a lot of eggs. Uh, and just from that, I mean, a four ounce serving of the steak that I'm eating is right around 20 grams of protein. So when I'm, I'm eating, <laughs> you know, over a pound of meat a day, I'm getting close to 100, if not more than 100 grams of protein from uh, you know, from an animal source, which is coming along with a lot of the micronutrients, a lot of, of vitamins and minerals that are really bioavailable. It's coming along with fats, saturated fats, uh, you know, precursors for, uh, hormones and it's, uh, it's all going to be slow digesting. So that has been working out for me for a very long time. Uh, so the science behind that, there's also, you know, the proof is in the pudding. It's worked out for me. Totally. Um, uh, on top of that, uh, amino acids, I've been a really big fan of amino acids, for a while and really amino acids, right? They're just the building blocks of protein. A lot of amino acids, supplements you get. It's not all the 20 aminos, it's, uh, you can get like branch chain, you can get some of the essentials and what's really cool about that and I, I experienced this myself before really even understanding the science. I just kind of used to take aminos because it was like this hot thing to do, uh, you know, as a weightlifter uh, trying to put on muscle, which is I noticed I wasn't as hungry I noticed that my endurance was was better. And I noticed that I just, I overall felt better. And I wondered, okay, why is that? So looking into science behind that, there are certain amino acids that contribute to muscle reparation as a whole. You know, they all kind of come together that work as a team to get certain jobs done. But some are a little more uh, prevalent in, uh, in, in protein synthesis, in muscle reparation. Uh, some of them are neurotransmitters or function as like precursors for neurotransmitters. And we can dive into that later. But I think that those aminos could potentially, I haven't seen studies on it, but potentially could help with performance from a mental standpoint, uh, reducing Mm. mental fatigue. Because ultimately there is, there is beliefs that, you know, mental fatigue is ultimately the culprit for us slowing.
0: Right. Like the central governor.
1: Correct. Right. But, uh, but yeah, amino acids have been really, really good for me. And what's really cool is, Rich, we talked about this before. I've I've mentioned how like when I was doing a ketogenic diet, like really low carb, I would take aminos on long runs and I'd go out and run for like six plus hours taking zero carbohydrates. I would just have this amino acid drink and uh, within that had electrolytes. So I had uh, like potassium, sodium, and then some of the basic uh, essential amino acids. And that worked out really well for me. And again, that was before I really realized scientifically what was happening. So apparently the... during exercise right you primarily use carbohydrates at high intensity you use uh fatty acids at lower intensity but almost across the board there is a pull from uh from protein from amino acids and if you don't Mm -hmm. have protein in your uh in your system or at least in surplus you know you don't have like amino acids floating around your body will end up breaking down the muscle for energy and during a i think what i saw was uh during a like a yeah, during bouts like over 60 minutes, if you're burning a 1000 calories, uh, almost 60 calories are coming from uh, coming from protein. So like up to 5% mm-hmm. of your energy source during uh, exercise is going to come from protein. And if you're in a low carbohydrate state, you'll pull even more from uh, from protein mm-hmm. upwards of, uh, of 10%. So that's a pretty good amount. So I guess what it turned out to be is that having those amino acids in my system floating around, my body was able to pull from those to use them as energy to kind of make up for the, uh, the lack of carbohydrates.
0: Right. And instead of, instead of taking your muscle mass and taking that and putting and making it a fuel source, having those branching amino acids, essentially will spare that protein that you have or that the muscle mass that you have. So you're not transferring it to glucose to help with that. So that's, go so that's a really great point with something like that. And that's, what's really important for endurance athletes as well, because we are going to push really, cl- it's going to be hard not to push into a caloric deficit, regardless if you're in a high fat or low fat diet or whatever you're eating, you're probably going to be at a point where you're going to be completely depleted and though that five to 10% recommendation of getting more essentially branched chain amino acids, because that's why we do eat protein is to get those amino acids, right? That's what's, that's what's, doing the trick. That's what's making the the magic happen with that. So supplementing with something like that, if you're on a long two hour, three hour, four hour is going to be really important because it's going to be hard to stomach any type of protein while, while being out there. And did you, and that's also why it's really important to get that protein in throughout the day, because getting your minimum amount of protein intake, isn't that hard, like and what's recommended. And this is where there's a lot of kind of controversy about this and a lot of different different thoughts like the rda recommends getting 0.8 grams per kilogram of body weight as it's very low it's very low right like super low and especially if you are an endurance athlete who's going to be you know burning say you or i when were are at peak training we'll probably burn four forty five hundred five thousand calories a day you know and if we're only eating that much protein that we're gonna we're gonna be at risk of losing muscle tissue so yeah so put so that In terms of numbers, like I weigh 74 kilograms and what is that? 0.8 of that is what, like 50, mid 50, 60 something, Mm. right? And that's the recommended daily intake by the RDA because protein also helps with immune support, hormone function, a lot of different things. So that's the lowest they can recommend so people don't get sick. So that's not for athletes. (laughs) And and I think that's where people really kind of push back on protein because it's hard to eat protein for a lot of people and they were like well this is so much like i heard that you don't need that much and most people they don't but as an endurance athlete you're not most people so the information that you hear that is pushed out by uh, like big recommendations like that that are going to get a whole span of people like you're not that person so you definitely need more and supplementing with things like branched chain amino acids that you're taking bcaa's when you're out there right you're not taking like an amino acid
1: supplement or what is it bcaa's yeah i actually uh no affiliation with the company uh but extend there it's uh it's pretty much like a loose it is uh, delicious it is delicious unfortunately like their natural product which has no artificial sweeteners or anything dude they like jacked the price up they jacked it up man and it's literally twice the cost of their original supplement which has the uh has like the blue dye in it so I'm so sorry, health gods, but I got that blue dye. At least that blue dye is giving you like a little bit of that weird energy. You know what I mean? That food dye, how it affects you?
0: (laughs) I think so. (laughs) It's delicious, yeah. yeah. But yeah, if you're supplementing with something like that or taking that, that's where those supplements do really come in handy when you're at risk of being too low on protein or or being out there for too long or if you're on a low-protein diet for if you're ketogenic or if – you're sick or something like if you have kidney issues and you need and your protein diet is low um so that's really where those branched chain amino acids do come into to play do, do you recommend a total daily intake or do you have a target on your own that you look for
1: or is it just eat talk about protein as, you protein as a whole.
0: protein as a whole
1: like protein yeah. grams i mean it's, it's kind of difficult to go by feel because uh, although like protein is satiating i mean so is fat right uh I would definitely recommend, I, I like everyone that I work with to measure what they're doing, at least for a little while, at least for a couple of weeks, because a lot of us, we eat pretty habitually. So you eat something for a little while, you get a good idea of what you are what you get in your system. You know, you look at a piece of uh, hamburger meat and you're like, that's eh, a palm full. All right, that's probably about 30 grams of protein right there. Uh, yeah, definitely. If the For an endurance athlete, I like to be on the uh, on the heavier side. I think that two to 2.2 grams per kilogram. Mm. I mean, you know, so I'm, I'm up in the ballpark of uh, of seventy eight kilograms. So I mean, I'm at the very least taking in one hundred and fifty grams of protein. Honestly, I I typically float a little bit more towards one eighty to two hundred grams. To some people, that might seem a little uh, a little crazy, but I I participate personally in a lower carbohydrate diet. Um, at the most, I'm kind of getting up in the range of like 200 250 grams of carbohydrates on high training days so for an endurance athlete that's Mm. that's kind of low and so my my personal requirements for protein are going to be a little bit higher i'm pulling a little bit more from uh from that pool but i would still recommend for anybody that wants to be on the on the healthier side on the safe side looking out for their immune system looking out for their hormones doing it in the best interest of muscular repair it is better to be on the higher side of that i believe um I, I can't think of any real medical con, con, medical conditions off the top of my head uh, that that would be an issue with, uh, you know, if you have an issue with, with taking in too much protein, talk to your doc. But if you're a healthy person, definitely take in upwards of uh, two grams per kilogram.
0: Totally agree. And they haven't really found an upper limit. There's been not there's been no like protein toxicity levels that Yeah, people get- talk
1: about like uh, nitrogen and ammonia and stuff. And I mean, it, there are there are other factors to that. But ultimately, yeah, if you eat more protein than you need. It's going to be rather than being pulled into uh into the system and and synthesized, it's just going to be used for energy or excreted.
0: Excreted, you know, yeah. So- that's the that's the ammonia. Like it doesn't start floating around and be toxic in your blood. Like it goes through that system, and that's why it takes so long to get to get it through. So you are excreting. You, you when people say that you're, you're pissing out the, the protein, that's kind of what they mean. Yeah. And I, I, I agree. So there's no real upper limit. There has been some studies on like protein overfeeding, which have, which have found some positive benefits when it comes to building muscle. But again, one study, it's hard to really take that. But another thing with protein, you know, there, there is a caloric number with that. But what I found is that, you know, they don't, protein doesn't necessarily store as, as fat, like how carbohydrates or, or fat would. Um, so I really do recommend for people to be on that higher end and if they're going to hit any of their macros to make sure that they are hitting that protein no matter what. And if they're going over on any, like go over on protein. 100%. Um, but like you said, it's going to be very satiating for people. So when you put somebody who might be eating this, the RDA recommendation, or if they're not even like paying attention. If it's like a lot of people talk to us, like, you know, I have oatmeal for breakfast, or some protein in that. I have a salad for lunch with some chicken, there's some protein there, and then have a third meal and maybe it's more chicken. So if they have 40 ounces of chicken and some oatmeal, like they're probably going to be around not 40 ounces, um, eight ounces of chicken and some oatmeal. I mean, they're gonna be around, I don't know, maybe 80 grams for that day. Mm-hmm. And so all of a sudden they're bumped up to 130, 140. It's going to seem like a lot, and that's where I think the timing. Going back to this question, is really what where it's important is to kind of break things down and to give you smaller doses, just to help with the actual eating of the protein from a practical sense, and not necessarily of any of the other things. Like when it comes to the synthesis, or when it comes to absorption, or when it comes to like any of the 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 things that people get stuck in the nuance. Just eating more regularly will make it easier for you to eat more often yeah so like if you were to if you do struggle with this then yeah i would recommend getting in protein almost as soon as you're done and if that is from a shake if that is from a steak it's from chicken whatever it is then i would,
1: I would recommend getting that in yeah. uh-huh. and the lower and the lower uh you are on the spectrum of protein the more important it becomes to get it in right after exercise because we were saying before if you're getting a lot of protein throughout the day it kind of sticks in your system so it becomes the timing becomes a little bit less important the more you take in granted you aren't taking in you know 200 grams of protein in a singular sitting but if your protein if you're getting an adequate protein <laughs> like, over a, uh, yeah if you're getting an adequate protein you know over a 10 or 12 hour period the uh the digestion rates it's you're going to be in a pretty safe spot and also there are studies show that even though there's a window right after exercise where you're like you're really primed for for nutrients to be uh, taken in if you are a consistent uh, uh you partaking if you are partaking consistently in exercise, physical activity, your body is almost always primed to to take in these nutrients. So they they see that uh, in athletes, 24 hours a day, you're really ready to take in because your body is almost always in a slight state of stress. So it's always kind of asking for that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, one, another note on timing. I do if you are at a state in your training where you are definitely looking to make Maximal gains, whether it's uh, like getting a little bit of muscle mass or you want to have a really quality session, you should uh, – I would definitely recommend having a protein or amino acids that agree with you well uh, anywhere from like 20 minutes to an hour before your workout because like we said, the, the protein does contribute to a certain degree. To your actual athletic performance, there's actually a pretty cool study that I checked out this morning, man. Which was uh, uh, Ivy and colleagues. They did a study with a bunch of cyclists. These were trained cyclists; they were already at the elite level. Nice. And they put them through. Uh, they put them through three hours at seventy five percent VO two max, and uh, they did it for three hours. And they followed that up with uh, time to exhaustion at eighty five percent VO two max. And there was a significant improvement when they added protein to their carbohydrate mixture. Hmm. Yeah, which is pretty dope. Because right, when you're doing an athletic event, you are your your muscle is breaking down. So like if you're taking in protein amino acids, you're able to mitigate that. So you're already like you're feeding the beast, you're feeding the muscles, and you're getting ahead of the game for muscle reparation after the fact. So bouncing
0: back, that's a that's a really cool study, especially if you are doing something like a long workout or if you have back to back events for whatever reason. Um, that would, that's a really cool study context, kind of especially in trained cyclists. That's, that's huge that they are, they weren't in shape. Those are hard to kind of come by. And for me, that's kind of like, would they just take a protein shake? Is you think that's what they were taking in?
1: Uh, well, it was a solution that was, uh, yeah. they had a, you know, they had, they had a drink that was, uh, it was 7.75% carbohydrates and 2% protein. Cool. I don't know how many uh, milliliters it was, but even if it was just like a one-time intake, uh, they I had them somewhere right around three grams of protein, 10 grams of uh, carbs. So even if it was just a little amount, that you figure at the rate that you burn through calories, even an extra 60 uh, uh, sixty calories, that's going to help boost you, you know, maybe 10, 20 minutes.
0: I've never tried to have a protein shake a protein supplement with my runs, but there doesn't seem like there's any reason not to, especially if it's going to be easy, easy, easily digestible and it will agree with you. Um, and, and playing around with that, there doesn't seem any, like there's any negative side effect of that aside from just the space to carry something or, um, depending on what the product is like. So I'm not sure if there oh, is any like really good go-to endurance product for like a protein, but I'm sure there I'm sure there are. There's like fruit flavored proteins and and like really kind of light ones that are available now. So I'm sure yeah. you could just take what you have and just kind of mix I, it up. Uh,
1: yeah, the amino's are dope. Uh what I've experimented in the past is like adding a little bit of maple syrup to the the amino's cuz maple syrup mm. is like rich in minerals and it's also a uh it's a sugar type with low osmolality like it doesn't pull a lot of blood down to the gut. So uh, I think that's why maple syrup is becoming increasingly popular for an energy source during events, uh, because it seems to not cause as much gastrointestinal distress.
0: Those bombs, Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's also delicious. If you don't like maple syrup, get the hell out. Uh, <laughs> but, but the, uh, the amino acids, like, yeah, they're, they're yummy. A lot of amino acid products out there do come, uh, with other things in it. Like the one I take has uh, potassium sodium. It's, uh, you know, which function has electrolytes to keep you hydrated and it, it tastes good. So it like influences you to drink more and yeah, it's uh, it's a simplified protein, you know, exactly. It it's like way. a
0: stripped down protein, right? It's very easily absorbed. Yeah. So I think that, that, that is a, a good recommendation, a good place to start. And I agree with you on the total amounts to get in. Um, I just do 0.8, uh, grams per pound or one gram per pound of body weight. Um, oh, I thank think you there for is a the material th- measurement that like dude. whenever i post about this i always post kilograms just because that's like what the research is done on and people were like could you do these for me kilograms right. is is your body weight divided by 2.2 2, and that's all you got to do i can't do it off the top of my head but
1: do i you have think a ever go metric i don't know i know I, <laughs> us hell no <laughs> got it dude i tried to i tried to go metric i like turned i put my Sunto watch on a, on the metric system and i like all, i started to learn kill uh uh Kilometers and stuff. Yeah. Kilometer, kilometers, Kilometers, yeah, yeah. kilometers. And then I just like lost mileage. I'm like, what am I doing? I'm confused. My <laughs> brain can't handle these measurements. I went back. <laughs> I know. I try to, I could, the only
0: way I can do kilometers is it kilometers or kilometers? Is it how do you, how do you say it?
1: The middle, the middle. Kilometers. Yeah. Kilometers sounds better, I think.
0: I think so too. And yeah, I only do it like I do everything based off of 5K because I know that's 3.1 miles and then 10K. So I do an increment of five just because I've run 5Ks and I understand that measurement. It's like, oh, 7K, that's a little, that's maybe like four and a half miles. That's how how I'm able to to work it. So I think there's a whole conversation here for like micronutrients. And I, I feel like a lot of people who are maybe eating a vegan diet, vegetarian diet, that have a harder time, will have a harder time getting in uh, these type of protein numbers and keeping all of their other macronutrients in in check. Like, yes, like quinoa has protein and buckwheat has protein and uh, spinach has protein, but the, 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 the amount and the serving sizes that come along with this, they're just not reasonable to get in the protein you need while not having so much fiber, while not having so much um, carbohydrates while your caloric in- intake doesn't go crazy. So there is definitely a conversation to have there. And I think that's one for another time. Um, but this is just a general recommendation when it comes to protein intake after. Um, and yeah. same when it comes to like your dairy source, what, what kind of source of protein you, you want to take in? Because I know that's, 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 that's a really hard thing for a lot of people and, and who are, who do want to take on a specific diet and sources is totally important. And, and, but right now, like when it comes to straight up macronutrients, where if you put in my fitness pal, this is kind of how we recommend it and from everything that we've seen there's no reason to to not do this and it will only be beneficial if you're able to to hit it and if you're going to be on t- on for me on timing it's more about as long as it makes it easier to get in your total number as uh, opposed to it being um really critical that you get it in because if you're eating protein throughout the day like you're going to have that in your system and it's going to help
1: anything you want to add you know, there, uh, there are a couple other things, but I maybe want to get into another time because I have some things here on Sources. Uh, and, you know, there's different things you can do with protein and how you combine it with other macronutrients. But, uh, yeah, let's leave that as a cliffhanger.
0: Let's leave that as a cliffhanger. Tune back in. So one of the other things we want to talk about, we, we really got into stress management last time, and it was pretty Big and broad. And we're going to take on another big, broad topic that we can kind of drill down into. And uh, over the course of time, we're talking about sleep. Josh, I know if anyone follows you on social, um, that you track this, that you care about this, that you are a firm believer in sleep. Um, And it's definitely been increasingly top of mind. It's been spoken about a lot and uh, how important it actually is. Things are really kind of coming to light. So when did you first start to give a shit about your sleep?
1: <laughs> that is a great way to put it, man. I uh, So I used to be just like chronically tired. Um, turns out that a lot of that had to do with uh, Lyme disease. Uh, there's a lot of other things that go along with that. But I mean, I, I realized that some of the best ways to fix the, some of the effects of Lyme. And uh, well, it was it was diet and I ended up being sleep. Ultimately, sleep uh, became really important for me for me, not only because of, uh, of Lyme, but like the exercise that I was taking on. Cause at the time I was working for uh, an arborist, which is just glorified tree work It's tree work where you're, you're, uh, you're doing nice things to the trees. You're not just hawking them down and logging, but it's really uh, very physical labor, very laborious. And yeah, I was just exhausted all the time. And then I, I want to go hang out with people. So, you know, gosh, geez, I'd, I'd get to bed, you know, maybe 10, 11, but then I got to wake up at five or six. So maybe of those seven hours that I'm laying in bed, you know, maybe I'm getting like six, six and a half hours of actual sleep. And I was just always tanked. And then I decided, oh, part of it was a job switch, but also I just decided to allocate more time to sleep. And I just realized that I was a better person. I was a better Mm. person, Rich. And, (laughs) And so physically actually feeling it, noticing the differences, that's one thing. And then, and then looking into the science as to what's actually happening and you're like, oh word, sleep is awesome. It's the dopest thing on earth. Uh, I like the way Matthew Walker puts it. It's like, it's the elixir of life. I mean, the yeah, the correlations between what a good night's sleep and consistent rest throughout your life and what that does for your overall health and and performance. It yeah, if you, you read the facts, which we're gonna lay down, you're gonna be excited about getting good sleep.
0: And it's almost the solution to every problem. Like yeah. when it boils down to it, like a lot of times like people are trying to find ways to fix whatever emotional issue they have, what a performance issue they have. And a lot of times it comes down to how well you're sleeping, how much you're paying attention to that, what what kind of habits you have in place around sleeping. I find this sleep and nutrition, I feel like are those two things. that's like, oh, is there an issue here? Like, let's look at these two big, like low hanging fruit pieces first. And then if you're still d- don't have you, you, like if things are still out of whack, then maybe kind of dive into the nuance. But man, if your sleep's wacky, then everything is going to kind of be a little bit worse. And you brought up Matthew Walker. Awesome resource on sleep is, uh, why we sleep, right? That's his book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, really in depth, really great information in that. So if you want to take a deeper dive in that, I do recommend that you check out that book, but when it comes to the things we're going to recommend. So as far as sleep, so you talked talking about, like laying down some of the benefits, some of the facts, like if you were to tell somebody in like, three main points of what are the three most important things that you feel like sleep would do for like the endurance athlete?
1: Well, first and foremost, so there are different stages of sleep. Uh, you can break it down into, cause they're, they're called like N one N two and three and four, but really you can just think of it in a couple different stages. You got your light, you have your REM, your rapid eye movement, and then you have your deep sleep right? your slow wave. And what's happening in, as far as like for, uh, the physical aspect of sleep, it's during deep sleep that Body restoration is occurring. Like growth hormone is, is flowing at peak levels, and that's that's literally repairing your uh, your your tissues. So when you think about exercise, ultimately you don't get fitter during your exercise. You get fitter when your body adapts to the stress that you placed on it. So if you don't give it an opportunity to adapt and allocate its energy into those reparations, you're you're a snake eating its own tail. So those uh, getting to sleep. Early when a lot of the deep sleep actually occurs is really important because if you don't get into that deep sleep, you're going to end up selling yourself short of ultimately what for you as an endurance athlete is the most important aspect of sleep, which is that physical restoration.
0: And with growth hormone, that's really the only time that we'll get it, right? Like we
1: like we can't. Yeah, just- so that's when it, that's when it's peaking at, at peak peak levels. Uh, That's another cool thing about like intermittent fasting is you can kind of tweak uh, and you know certain dietary things you can do to tweak that. But it's during sleep where it's at peak levels and you don't really have to make any other lifestyle changes to achieve it other than go to bed early
0: right like everything we need to recover properly is already within us you know it is a hormone response that we will elicit and we will get better and we will get stronger if we take advantage of the the growth hormone that we already have with uh, endogenous so if not taking it you know yeah right Um, so you mentioned the early stages uh, of sleep so That, to me, leaves some interpretation because it's like, okay, what does early stage sleep mean? Does that mean a time of the day or does that mean when I go to bed, right? So, like, how are those things different? Because, like, early stage sleep for me, if I go to bed at 930, I will be sleeping earlier than someone who might go to bed at midnight. Like, do they shift with the time you go to bed or are they locked into kind of place based on
1: time, that's a great question. And the answer is you. Kind, kind of both. Yeah, you're full of them. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the, the answer is kind of both. So circadian rhythm absolutely plays a role in it. And to a degree, we can kind of manipulate our rhythm. If you consistently, and the key word here is consistently, if you consistently go to bed at 11 p.m., even though it begins to get dark at, say, 7, you know, and then you wake up at 7 in the morning, if you do that regularly, your body will be able to get into that pattern. However, if you're kind of erratic and say you're uh you know you're going to bed at 11 p.m on one night waking up at seven and then another day you're going to bed at, at eight and then waking up at five is your body can't really set into a rhythm um now optimally you're going to bed or at least starting to slow things down as the sun goes down hmm. and the reason for that is a lot of people have heard the light has a massive effect. On our circadian rhythm, during uh, uh, when they, when it gets dim, then we get what's called that dim uh, or dim light onset melatonin or melatonin, yeah. And ultimately, melatonin is what helps you get rest uh, in a restful state and get to bed. So if you if you're going to bed uh, very late and your body wants you to go to bed earlier, you're not. Say you have a, a screen on with blue light, Say all the lights are on in the kitchen. All of that light around you, which is putting off a blue light wave, that is suppressing your ability to produce melatonin. And thus, keeping you from entering sleep as soon and as deep. So, if you, if you go to bed earlier and you go to bed with Sundown, per se, that might be pretty early, but if you at least start to calm yourself down, if you start to eliminate sources of blue light by dimming things in your house, by having a blue light filter on your t- on your uh, computer screen, on your on your cell phone, and you start to uh, remove some of those blue light sources, your body's going to do a better job at producing melatonin and getting you into a restful state. So, say say ten o'clock comes around, you are in a better state to go to bed, and your body hormonally is ready to shift. Into that that sleep state and gets you right into that deep wave uh, sleep. Mm.
0: And the blue the blue light's an interesting because it's like the length of the light, right? Like I don't know that much about this, but like yeah, blue light is it's like blue light's longer, right? And the way it kind of disperses to our eyes, so like that's why we see the sky as blue because it is just blue light that dispersed, Whereas red light waves are shorter. Oh. And and essentially, it's like what it is. Like to dumb it down all the way through, it's like. When we see blue light, we think that it's daytime, like, you know, internally. So if we see blue light from coming from our screen, coming from lights, like we don't think that it's evening because we see the sky is blue and we see these blue lights that kind of um, th- that are just those indicators that it is still daytime. It's not time to sleep. What's um, wild is, like, is
1: that our skin has photoreceptors. So even if you are wearing a uh, blue light, so your eyes are like the main photoreceptors. So having mm-hmm. like blue light glasses. Uh, yo, I just got a sick pair of blue light glasses. They're not like official blue light glasses. They're these like hardcore orange contractor, like safety glasses that I got for $6 <laughs> on Amazon. They work way better than the $20, like fancy pair that I bought. Yeah. God, they're I way those. <laughs> yeah, They're like, they're, they're, they're wear over glasses. So they're designed to like go over prescription glasses. So they're huge. You know, they like totally close it on the forehead and on the side. Anyways, they're dope. Uh, but that helps a lot, but you're still your your body can still sense the light through your skin. And that's what that's where, like the sun comes into play talking about circadian rhythm. It's really important to get out and get sunlight because that also helps as a reset. Uh and that in especially by the way if you're like traveling somewhere and you want to like help out with jet lag, like get some sun exposure. Um, but getting outside, they recommend at least 30 minutes because all of that uh, absorption of the sunlight, of the, that blue light in like a really intense way, uh not only is it good for like obviously vitamin D production, but it does help kind of reset your schedule and help your body to produce melatonin at the proper time and also within the circadian rhythm we've touched on before is uh is cortisol is involved there you want to make sure those right, are getting produced at the right times
0: for sure and and it, like you said it is it's like a circuit circular, like it is a rhythm so it this whole sleep process isn't just okay it's getting dark let me turn the lights down let me put my blue light blockers on it starts in the morning really it starts when you can get out and get that that light in your eyes, on your skin. I've even heard of like these ear pods that you can put in, like say you live in a place where it's dark, a lot of this, mm. the winter, like there's been some products that you can put like ear pods in essentially and get that same type of blue light from, from in your ears, I guess. Um, but yeah, it's a whole process, right? Like, so like your sleep starts in the morning, more or less. Um. So what are some of the things that you would recommend? So we talked about the blue light, uh like down regulating yourself, kind of keeping uh within that natural rhythm. what have you found that other people that people might do that is inhibiting their sleep outside of just like screen time and uh
1: and blue light? Well, that's to go bit to narrow it down yeah as far as inhibiting goes, I would definitely say that the big two are eating large meals late and exercising late and oftentimes they kind of go together so. Uh, With exercise, a lot of times it can be stressful. You know, if you're going out for like a long run or you're getting in a hard workout and there's cortisol involved in that, and cortisol kind of opposes melatonin. When you have high levels of cortisol in your system, that suppresses melatonin production. Uh, And then along with that, by the way, two to three hours is what they say you should at least give yourself a buffer between exercise and sleep so if you get out of work at five you know try and hustle in that workout by by five thirty. just have your stuff like ready in the car you know get that run in to be done by by 6 7 o'clock and hopefully you won't have too much of an issue getting to bed you know 9 9 30 10 o'clock but the thing is is if you if uh if that is your schedule if you're on that schedule and you have to obviously eat a meal after that Uh, definitely try to get that food in conveniently protein time. You'll get that protein right after and, Mm -hmm. uh, and get that dinner in because eating a large meal, uh, does a couple things. It, well, one, it pulls like a lot of, uh, uh, blood into the gut and blood wants to go elsewhere for sleep right? It wants to flow out to your limbs and it wants to go to your brain during different stages to help repair those areas. And although food is important to help with those reparations, you kind of want to have that food a little more broken down by the time you lay down so your body can get into those more uh, restorative actions. So sleep, uh, eating a large meal. I mean, what does large mean? That's going to be different for a 300 pound person than for a hundred pound person. But I mean, Mm -hmm. if you go to bed feeling like, engorged uh, and you feel it in your stomach when you're laying down, that's probably a sign that you could have either eaten something a little uh, uh, less bulky or just eat it a little bit earlier on. And uh what's real cool is you can uh, it's showing that post perennial uh, uh movement can really help with the digestion process, help get things moving along and also and uh, what I mean by that is like you can go out for just an easy walk mm. after your last meal of the day kind of help blood move around the area, help things work down in the stomach. And also it's shown that movement can help, uh, help mitigate some of the insulin response to the food that you've eaten. And uh, there's a correlation between elevated insulin levels and and disrupted sleep. So I guess in an ideal world, get your exercise in earlier in the day, hopefully by like six o'clock, get that meal in uh, a comfortable size meal. Hopefully you've eaten enough earlier on in the day where you don't feel the need to pack it all in at night and then Mm -hmm. go for an easy walk, uh, you you know, outside away from a lot of lights and, uh, and, and read a book at night and boom, you're gonna get the best night's sleep of your life.
0: I love the the walk after eating. That's definitely a good recommendation because it's another way to kind of relax and wind down. And there's obviously the lifestyle factors when it comes to sleep, you know, and, and when it comes to maybe not eating a large meal, some people are like, well, we'll do, I have to work out at 7 p.m. So that's where it comes around planning your your macros and your nutrient timing throughout the day. So like you said, you are still fueled. You are still able to get the energy that you need and get and the recovery that you need from your food. So planning comes into play when it comes to how much food to eat, because as we talked about before, like timing is somewhat important, but definitely not as important as getting the total um, nutrition targets that you're, you need to support your, your training and your life. So planning out your meals ahead of time would be a really good way to mitigate that late night um, eating too much. And what do you, and when it comes to just trying to work out earlier, maybe just shifting that schedule, you get up, you get out earlier, you get some sun. It's not ideal for a lot of people, but sometimes, and like I said, lifestyle factors in an ideal world, you could work out, wake up whenever you wanted to, but we understand that that's not always on the table. Um, but shifting your days around to see what would work is going to be helpful. Instead of just throwing hands up and be like, well, I, I start work early, I end it late there's nothing I can do to get better sleep. Um, you might have your hands tied a little bit, but there are, are things that you can do outside of, um, like the, the ideal recommendation. Um, and one thing that I am, I do typically try to steer people away from and is supplementing with, uh, for, for sleep. So in particular, like we talked about melatonin and, and that production, um, and people kind of think of melatonin as a sleep aid. What's your interpretation of what melatonin, the supplement, would do?
1: <laughs> well, melatonin, the supplement, kind of plays the role of, uh, or, or steps in when you aren't really producing melatonin mm. uh, enough yourself. And uh, when I say enough, maybe it's because of, uh, you, you, you ate too late, you know, you woke up too too late that morning uh maybe your, your schedule is just off or get uh, outside yeah yeah, yeah. Or, or maybe there is maybe you you just don't have enough melatonin to kind of make up for other things going on in your life other stimulus like maybe you have kids you know or maybe there's just a lot going on in the neighborhood and maybe just you're not producing enough melatonin to overcome those circumstances so it helps uh obviously well bolster the amount of uh, melatonin your system and kind of jumpstart. You're uh, uh, you're your easing down into those more of a like a sleep state,
0: for sure. And I would highly recommend that you don't rely on this because, as any type of like hormone therapy, when you take it from an outside source, you uh, suppress the internal um, process. So you can become completely reliant on something like melatonin. Wh- where I I like to recommend it, um, like I said, if if there are factors that are happening throughout the day that are going to screw up your sleep, but also like flights in between time zones or any type of jet lag situation where your rhythm is literally going to be taken from one place and and put into another. Then I think it's a really good time to, to dial in um, or to just kind of help in in the short term with that. So it's a good tool to have, but I definitely wouldn't recommend like oh my sleep sucks. Let me take some melatonin and, and, and uh, make it better because anything could be habit forming if you're, if you make it a habit. So totally.
1: And it's a bandaid because if yeah, if you're just doing that, there's probably something else that you're ignoring. Totally. And so if
0: you were to have someone tell you be like, listen, I can't get this type of sleep. Like what are some other things that you could recommend for them that, that could, that could potentially it could help? Because I know when I struggle on, on my sleep, I try so hard to do all these other things like blue light down, like outside in the morning, all these things like, having my meals timed out, making sure that everything is on point. And for me, I end up stressing out about the amount of sleep that I'm getting. And it
1: fucks up my sleep. <laughs> I get so stressed. Dude, you're such like a high octane well. person. People can't see. I'm looking at Rich. He's wearing a shirt that says caffeine and kilos. Heck yeah. This jacked up. <laughs> and like, but I get
0: stressed out about not about sleep. And it screws up my sleep. So like stress is definitely another <laughs> part of it. So how can i how like what am i supposed to do about this (laughs) how can i make my sleep better if i'm like highly stressed
1: all right all right i got you rich so there's a couple of things that you can do we'll start out with uh with some like some natural remedies mel because melatonin i mean cheese whiz have you ever by the way have you ever tried advil uh i have not in a long time worst thing in the world dude i've i've taken it before like years ago which is absolute zombie i thought oh maybe it was just like maybe it was just today so i tried it again like a few days later absolute zombie the morning the
0: morning is just a disaster yeah so any type of over-the-counter sleep aid i would advise
1: strongly against yeah 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 and like melatonin can also might do that to somebody uh like if you take it too late uh, yeah. or maybe it just has, maybe it just lasts in your system a little bit longer than it's intended to. That could also carry over into the morning. So yeah, uh, I'm going to spit some different options that might make you feel a little bit better in the morning and, uh, and function pretty much as well. So there are, uh, there are a lot of herbs, man. Here's the thing. It's like, it's, it's kind of funny how many things exist naturally in the world that we overlook. And I mean, th- some of these things we just like we pass as we walk down the street. Uh, plants like like lemongrass or something things that have been used for so long lemon balm they've been used for so long to to well for for multiple things in this case we're talking about sleep but i mean there's remedies everywhere so don't be so quick to jump to the synthetic stuff jump to the stuff that's in a bottle and uh let's get a little let's get a little hippy dippy all right let's get some plants so there are things called nervines and they help literally like well, there are different forms. There are like relax- relaxants and tonics and stimulants, but ultimately they kind of aid in the function of the nervous system. And other things can help do this too, like adaptogens. Uh, I think something that's really popular right now are like cordyceps mushrooms, which mm-hmm. ultimately just play a role in helping your body adapt. I don't exactly know the like the, the chemical function of how they do so, but they're called adaptogens because they help the body kind of adapt to the environment that it's in, which is a pretty good yeah. concept.
0: That's from my understanding, is like they help if there's if you need help, but if you don't need help, like they it does like doesn't hurt having them. They'll like find out where you need it and and will uh, ass- address that issue essentially. Gotcha. Yeah.
1: So I think if, if anyone that's listening, if you're uh, if you're an athlete, you're probably always in a state where you could use just a little bit of help. So, so uh so like adaptogens they might actually help your body uh adapt to stressors going on in your life which can translate to you being in a slightly more relaxed state uh, other things that can do the same thing some of these nervines these relaxants uh, include like lavender yeah lavender chamomile really popular tea uh, mm-hmm. lemon balm and you can kind of combine all these things and what they do is they really calm the nervous system and i mean it I really recommend trying them because those things that I just listed don't, don't really have any uh, harmful effects that are listed. So they're pretty safe. You know, again, you just take them like a tea and they don't, what's cool about those is they aren't sedatives. They don't lay you out, but rather they just have a calming effect, which ultimately is what's going to really help you to get into a restful state. Uh, Something else that that does that similarly is uh, like CBD, the reason people like that for sleep. I mean, if you take enough, it can begin to have sedative qualities. But ultimately, even a small dose can just help you relax and kind of let things go. And ultimately, it's that which helps you, well, yeah, (laughs) relax and Mm -hmm. get yourself into a mindset where it's not thought in and out. Circular thoughts aren't happening. You know, you can just kind of get eased in the mind. And then ultimately that reduced stress is going to translate into a relaxed body and slumber.
0: And that's, I'm glad you brought that up about CBD because I think sometimes people think of CBD as like some sort of suppressant where it is just going to knock you out, but it is more of a stress manager and it will help your sleep just by having your stress levels down, like you said, that circular thought. And again, with that, what we talked about last time, it's meditation, same deal. Like if you want to help reduce those thoughts and that those thoughts are what's keeping you up, then Having dude, a meditative, meditative practice
1: is definitely one hundred percent, man. Yo, I, I dove back into. Have you heard of Eckhart Tolle? I've heard it. I don't Isn't really that know. That popular book, the popular book, Power and Now. He was I on. He was on Oprah, dude. I missed it. Well, yeah, this was a long time ago. Anyways, yeah, I mean, uh, I listened to his big his, his his book a long time ago, and it helped me out a lot. And uh, yeah, I was just kind of like feeling a little more stress lately, so I dove back into that book and ultimately the book just kind of helps you get back into what you would call a meditative state, which ultimately is just the lack of stressful thoughts, you know, mm-hmm. and just kind of like accepting what's happening right now. And holy shit, man. I mean that, that in itself. Yeah. It helped a lot with sleep. So that meditative practice for sure can help you. And riffing on that real quick, meditation is really excellent before bed because one, if you are breathing very relaxed, you're going to help, put yourself into more of like a parasympathetic nervous response, which is where you want to go for sleep. And also you're not going to, if you're meditating, it's highly unlikely that you're going to have like a lot of lights blasting you, including your cell phone and computer. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of eliminating the blue light and, uh, and yeah, just the lack of body movement. Everything's kind of settling down. So I think meditation is fantastic before bed and a little bit of CBD in there, a little bit of lemon balm tea, Ooh, baby.
0: You're sleeping. Yeah. And there's a bazillion sleep meditations for free on like things like insight timer i mean youtube i mean you'll have to have your phone up you can i guess turn it down and put it in a different room um or put it further away but there's a ton of things you could do you know anything calm headspace they all have evening meditation um, guided meditations for sure so dude sleep is really like if there is an issue that you have and you're when you're looking for external Solutions and you haven't addressed your sleep. Oh, another thing we didn't we didn't even talk about is is tracking your sleep and, and maybe we can use this for a different episode as well. But um, I didn't really pay attention to tracking my sleep until maybe the last like three, two or three years, um, where these wearable technologies have kind of come come around. So I think that's another really important place and uh, is to is to pay attention. It's the same thing as like when you want to get serious with your endurance training. It's like okay, let's track how, what you're doing, how you're building up, what's your volume, what's your intensity. And then we can progress that. I feel like that's kind of similar to sleep. Like you don't really know the whole story unless you're tracking it. Um, even if you're like, oh yeah, I think I'm getting eight hours of sleep. I went to bed at 10 woke up at six, but like, but did you go to bed at 10? Did you wake up at six? Like what exactly is going on within that? And the way it tracks sleep itself, who knows how accurate it is. And I'm under the impression that there is no 100% reliable sleeping track sleep tracker technology out there there's definitely things that can help you figure out like what you need to work on but yeah like so tracking your sleep i think is something that's really important if you're a runner like garmin does it apple watch does it whoops so are very important are
1: you using garmin what are you using i use my apple watch how does that how does that work because it's just on your wrist is it taking heart rate from your wrist mm-hmm. is it measuring yeah. HRV or? it does
0: it's the same hardware as Whoop. oh no shit yeah same exact hardware um but like the thing with whoop for me is like paying a monthly for hardware is the craziest thing I've ever heard. I'm like, why the fuck would I, would I buy a thing that could, is going to get worse and pay monthly for it? And it ends up being expensive when you do that.
1: Dude. Yeah. I will. I'll, I'll admit I've been using the Whoop for a long time, but like for that, for the data and like the amount that it's helped me, I really don't even bat an eye at it, you know? Hmm. Uh, cause I buy, cause yeah, it's like, $30 if you go like six months or you just do like the minimum package but I bought I bought 18 months and uh at that rate it was like it's like $18 a month and yeah hands down I mean I'm a dad and nerd so when I see oh you know uh I got this much sleep or here's what my my deep sleep was like even I take it to be around like 90 percent accurate honestly because like I'll, I might wake up at night and it'll say like no you were asleep the whole time dude so, <laughs> so it, I'm taking it with like a, a handful of salt, but at the same time, yeah. uh, overall, overall, the, the habits that has helped me to get into, uh, the value is absolutely there. Cause you know, it's like, what is, what is training worth? What is, uh, you know, what is like getting on that podium worth to you? So, hmm. When I'm like, oh, so eighty bucks for the year or something, or well, a little more than that. But I mean, dude, it's way more than that. It's like three hundred bucks a year. Ah, uh, if you do the minimum, if you do the minimum, it's ah, uh, okay, oh. yeah, it was like three. Maybe when you bought, for- maybe when you
0: bought. I've heard people get grandfathered in, but when I went and looked at it like a year and a half ago, maybe mm-hmm. it was like it ended up. If I was like, buy have this for two years, it's going to be like close to seven hundred bucks. I'll buy this true, Apple Watch right true. now, and it's like four hundred, and I'll just have it.
1: Yeah, it makes sense. They're riding that popularity
0: train. They are. They're doing a good job, but um, but the things that like is it will help you put in put the habits in place, and for that, that's where these things are super valuable. That you might not have even thought about sleep, and now that you do, it's going to. And it's the same with like tracking your food. Like that's something we talk about. Is like if you're not sure how, how you eat, like if you've never tracked your food, track it and see what what plays out. It's like oh my god, I'm eating all carbohydrates. I'm eating the RDA recommended amount of protein. Then, you know, same with sleep. Like if you just track it for a while, you can have an idea and then you can put some simil- these, these practices that we had just laid out into place and see how that changes it, you know, because even if you do like take, um, cut up blue light, do all this whole thing and like, but you're not tracking the result, like it's going to help for sure. But how much, how much do you know? Like what is actually moving the needle for you?
1: Yeah, what's dope is like so the uh the the whoop, for example, it's uh, it allows me to see my heart rate throughout a full twenty four hour scan. It's kind of like just continuous. I can scroll to the next day and it'll show exactly where my heart rate left off. So I mean I just have I literally have a year of heart rate data unbroken. Luckily there's no two large gaps. I didn't die or anything. Uh so <laughs> the what's cool about it is like I can I can directly see that data. It's like, oh, I I exercise close to uh, to to bedtime, right? Or I, like I did a big workout, or even if I didn't do the big workout, like close to bed, I just had a big ass workout, and like the stress just carried over. I can mm. see like elevated heart rate all night. Uh, and one of the really cool things is because apparently heart rate is to a degree a good indicator of your readiness to train, your overall health. Ultimately, your resting heart rate can actually take a dive once you're on kind of like over the curve, and not the good way. You're like getting deeper into the overtrained state. So HRV seems to be a little bit more reliable in that aspect. Uh, and I will say that since I have been basing my training off of HRV, in other words, I have a higher HRV. I'm going to go do a hard day. If I had a hard day planned and my HRV is garbage, I end up doing more restorative stuff. And since I have uh, done that, I have not, I got like one cold and it lasts like a second. And, uh, yeah, like some, I was at a house in New Hampshire with some friends in winter, and like, we were all going to go do some like, hike Mount Washington and whatnot, mm-hmm. and uh, one of my buddies brought the flu. Everyone got the flu, but like, I got it for a day. I felt like garbage for a day, and then it was over. So what I'm saying is like, my immune system was constantly in a better state because exercise compromises your immune system. Poor sleep compromises your immune system. So like, the, the habits and the benefits that I've gotten from it have just been like, phenomenal
0: totally and and if you are going to be disciplined enough or or, or i guess not to, like fluid enough to go off of your HRV and, and kind of change your training accordingly um for me i'm not like even if it's at, like the way i plan out my training i should feel good when it's time to feel good unless i'm doing something stupid like unless unless i sleep like an asshole or i have drinks or something and i'm just and i do something that uh, that isn't serving me well but like yeah basically it does I like it for like the long-term and like you said that long-term effects. Like if it dips too much, like, yeah, cause it, it, I think there's a thing where if, if you're are overtrained, like you almost can't get your heart rate up high enough to really get, elicit any type of uh, change. So that could be something, or if that HRV stays low consistently, then you might be kind of on the brink of um, overtraining. And I see that in mine. Like I'll go in, in waves of like three weeks I'll go. I'll do a three week build and then I'll take a week down. And by the end of that third week, I'm shot. My HRV like kind of sucks, and like, and it's it's cool to see how it does bounce back with a couple good nights of sleep with some with some training pulled back. Um, so that's cool. It's definitely cool information to to have available.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's affirming in that sense, right? So like you totally. can really see. I, again, I just love you know. Maybe you don't really care about numbers or anything and colors and graphs, but like I see that and I see I see the progress and I see things working, and it's just uh, it like excites me to. We'll just keep on the process. Yeah,
0: I do. I love it. I I I like wearing my watch to bed just so I can see the next day of how it turned out. Sometimes I put a little bit too much value on it though, and I'm like, oh, this. I felt like I sleep slept well. This says I slept like shit, so I feel like shit now. I'll do. Yeah. It's more, I'll do that more the opposite. Like I'll think I didn't have a good night's sleep, but if my watch said I had a good night's sleep, I'll be like, all right, I should be fine.
1: Um, that, that is definitely a factor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah so definitely, too, there's
0: yeah. definitely a mental piece there that, that, that definitely helps out. So if I'm, like I said, if I get real stressed out about needing to sleep well, I'll put my watch I will I won't wear it for a while just so I can just be like, it doesn't matter. You're not going to get a reading. Just fucking relax and just sleep. Um, well, cool man. Anything else you want to add about sleep? And again, this is a big broad topic. We can boil it down a little bit further in, in future HHMC episodes.
1: No, nah, that was solid dude. Drink tea,
0: drink, drink tea. tea. Um, so what else you got going on, man? What you been working on this week,
1: working on this week, getting in some more good quality training, uh, doing some skill work with the kettlebells, uh, listening to that Eckhart Tolle book, the power of now, uh, just because it's good. And I love listening to audible books when I'm running. Mm. Well, running, sometimes, yeah. You know. Do you listen to audiobooks when you're running? Sometimes like it depends podcast? on. The,
0: uh, sometimes it depends on the 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 topic. If it's a, to, a a book that I want to sink into and I want to pay attention to, I find it m- harder. I, I feel like it makes my heart my run harder if the 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 topic is men- mentally stressful and if I need to like really engage in it. So if it's anything that's like a t- any technical information, I won't. I really won't, but if it's something that's just kind of cool and fun, or just like I'll listen to, like business books, or I'll listen to like self-helpy type books, just because I can kind of come in and out and take what I need and then leave other stuff. But I, I w- um, but I won't listen to anything that's like technically dense. Same with podcasts. Yeah, same I deal. That. Like I'll, I'll listen to, I don't know, uh, for podcasts. Like I'll if I'm going long, I'll listen to, like a Joe Rogan or a Tim Ferriss or something that, that I can kind of come in and out and like it, it's fun. I'm I can grab it's long it is on and long material. And <laughs> Stuff
1: like that, yeah.
0: yeah. What um, I gotta do is
1: gotta speed up the podcast so they're talking at one hundred and eighty words per minute. That's good for <laughs> <But your> cadence. <laughs> um,
0: I actually just canceled my Audible because I just was falling behind. I had it; I've had it for years.
1: Yo, give me your like, credits, bro. Give me your credits,
0: dude. They won't let me. They won't let you because my mom uses it, so I wanted to give her my credits. I was like, I paid for this. They're like, no. I was like, oh, if I cancel. Do so I still get these credits? They're like, no. So I just had to buy a bunch of books and hopefully I, I so I still have the books that I have bought. And maybe I'll come back if I get on an audible kick, but
1: dude, I did the I heard, same exact thing. I canceled it. I bought a bunch of books.
0: Yeah. I heard I heard at least the, the library here, like the Philadelphia library, like you can they they will lend you audiobooks. Like, you can rent them, kind of. I've
1: heard that. I don't know how that works. And
0: then it's free. I don't know how it works either. I should go to the library. One time I got a library card, but then I never went to the library. So I just have a card now and just never used it. <laughs> but Yo,
1: what are what are some of the books that you downloaded that you haven't listened to yet?
0: That I haven't listened to yet? Uh, I kind of forget because that – I just th- – there's a couple business ones. There's ones like called, like, The Lean Startup. There's another one that I'm just about to finish called um, – Oh, I bought Damon John's book, uh, like the guy from Fubu and uh, Shark Tank. Um, that <laughs> one's that one's fine. I wouldn't recommend it. Um, yeah. Like I said, yeah. Yeah, just kind of like just kind of like easy list, easy
1: listens. What about you? Uh I was looking into it right now. I got like a bunch of runners like right up there. No, I just listened to Heck that yeah. one. Yeah, dude. No, I got uh like Michael Pollan's The uh, Omnivore's Dilemma. Like, oh I, yeah, I, I started a little bit of it, but not the whole thing. And then I have like dan harris 10 percent happier but monica listened to that she said it was like guy's just talking about his breakdown so maybe i won't listen to that Ooh, and endurance by alfred langzing married by oh simon prebble i, I keep hearing that that's a good book that was like my buddy recommended that and then like right after he recommended it uh uh joe joe DeSantis, spartan posted about he it put it out there for you i have Word. i've listened to his a couple times
0: oh i have, I have sapiens that i'm like in the middle of I have, Radiance, yes. um, a, a book called deep survival, which I'm interested in another book called alone on the ice. And then a couple other, like, which I think are just hardcore endurance stories. Um, cool, man. Yeah. get Getting those books in, um, I'm keeping things rolling with the speed stuff. Like I said, it's, it's getting a little, little stressful to run here, um, which I have not enjoyed. Uh, I think I told you that before we started like M- NPR, the news I was two in the morning, they mentioned Philadelphia or, or Mike Pence actually mentioned that Philadelphia might be the next like kind of hot spot for this thing. Yeah. Stresses me out. And like, kind of like all the runner pages are, are sharing stuff like, Oh, make sure that we're being courteous out there, but there's only one place to run. And everybody's out there at the same time. The weather's just starting to get nice. They're going to have to shut it down soon. Um, so I'm going out there. I'm like wearing a buff over my face while I'm running. It's warm out and now I have this buff on my face. Um, so these are a little stressful now, but I'm still trying to, still trying to get at it. Still trying to do, um, some, some speed work. And this is actually going to be my peak week for volume. Like I mentioned, I do three weeks up. This is like my ultimate peak week. And then I'm going to kind of of taper things down for the next two or three and then have a, a goal race simulation in, in like uh, two or three weeks. So grind it on that. And then just, you should just go out in a hazmat suit, get some heat training. That's basically
1: what we are doing. That thing.
0: Yeah. So a little, little stressful to run, which sucks because it should be the opposite of that. But uh, but we still got to do what we got to do. So I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm gonna really kind of. I don't like doing quality work in the morning. I, it just takes me so long to get going that, like, it I just can't really wrap my head around getting excited about doing something hard early. Yeah, um, I'm so
1: clunky in the morning. <laughs> I know,
0: but I might just have to. I might just have to suck it up. It's like, all right, well, you do it now. Or you don't do it. So just get up. Maybe I'll. maybe we'll get up a little early, drink some coffee. Get some food in me, feel feel ready to rock. Because probably that's probably the only thing. I probably just hadn't drank coffee. Once once I drink coffee, I'm ready to go.
1: kilos. You gotta take that shirt, it says caffeine and kilos, and underneath it, you gotta put in kilometers or kilometers.
0: That would be sick. <laughs> That'd be sick. We should we should make our own clothing brand and just rip it. <laughs> caffeine <laughs> and kilometers and be like, no, it's different. This is for runners, man. Caffeine and kilometers. This is for runners. I like it. Um well, cool, man. Oh, yeah. I meant to give a shout to our guy, Nick Riker, who did some, uh, recon for us about strides versus striders. Mm. So Mm. he, he had a really good take on this thing and I, and I like it. He said, they're different things. So striders are something you do after your run, but strides are something you do like before a race. And at first I was like, that's the dumbest shit I've ever heard. But then I was like, no, I actually agree. I would do that. I would do. I would do strides. I do, you know, six, seven strides before a five k, and but after a run, I'm gonna sit back and t- chill and do some striders. Um, but then he did a an IG poll, and striders yeah, got smashed. Like strides all the way, Strides. People are like, "You're an idiot!" Like this is. So I don't know what I don't know what it is. I don't know why I I think it, it that way. It's not changing my mind. I'm sticking with it. Maybe it's a local vernacular type of deal. Maybe it's like –
1: You should have put a post after that and be like, all right, now, how many of you read Born or or, uh, uh, Once a Runner? would have been the same percentage, same percentage of people. No, I disagree.
0: And uh, maybe it's like a a thing in the the area of the country where they live, like calling a a water fountain a bubbler. I've never
1: heard that. Which one? A water fountain is a bubbler. A bubbler. A bubbler is an intoxicating device. (laughs) <laughs> that's it, that's it.
0: Uh, but they you go into a head shop looking for a, a, a water fountain see <laughs> you know how that goes
1: <laughs> like, yeah come this way like back rooms, just water fountains holy shit <laughs> <Yes. then. laughs>
0: this is no like the bubblers that you're supposed to sell yeah. what do you i have um a lot of family in upstate new york what do you call like coca-cola
1: or pepsi dude i do not drink soda but i'm like don't
0: be an asshole what do you do what would you call what would you call it?
1: <laughs> uh, i just want to be like all, oh i call them suds no nah, i call them coke and pepsi
0: but like if there was a generic name for for it like what would you i like, what is
1: i'd probably just call everything coke honestly you, you would just call it coke yeah, yeah i mean we don't call anything cool like like uh what is it like suds or, or pop. pop 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 give me some of pop. Pop.
0: So I call it soda. I would say soda. There are parts of the country that would say just generically say Coke for everything. But I have a bunch of cousins that Coke are like for everything.
1: It, okay, you that, want you want like Seven Up Coke or or Fanta Coke? Yeah,
0: isn't that just you Coke just Coke. said that you would just call it Coke? Yeah, Orange Coke. Yeah. But yeah, I have, I have cousins upstate New York, like Syracuse, Rochester, um, Buffalo. They all call it pop. That's like a Midwestern thing, and I think bubbler is Midwestern too. I'm not sure.
1: Terminology kilometers kilometers.
0: Strides, Striders. Well, cool, dude. Striders.
1: Anything else? Uh, So,
0: excellent work today. I felt like that was really enriching. I feel great about it now. Ooh, enriching. Um, Oh, I like it. Got your name in there.
1: All day. All right, cool, man. So, this is Reed and Rich. We signing off. Peace.